0: Welcome to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. This podcast is for you, the busy business owner or executive looking to create generational wealth. Here, we're going to show you how to do that through real estate investing, from multifamily to industrial and everything in between. You will become a real estate investing expert. And now, here's your host, Michael Holman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. I'm your host, Michael Holman. We have a great guest with us today. A uh, little sentimental, to be honest. It's actually my father, Ken Holman, who's on the show. He's the one that started Overland Group. He has been in the real estate business for over 40 years. And I just thought I have to get him on the show. I've actually been trying to get him on the show for I don't even know how long, but I'm really excited that today is the day that you all get to listen from him. He has definitely been my biggest mentor throughout my real estate career, uh, and to be quite honest, throughout my entire life. And there is some things that he mentions in this episode that are just golden. And I think things that probably only people with 40 plus years of experience in real estate could really understand and give. So it is, I highly, highly advise that you listen to this episode. I might even say you should listen to this episode twice because the things that he says are just insightful, right? I mean, you hear a lot from a lot of different people, but people who've been in real estate for 40 years, they just think about real estate investing, they think about real estate differently than those of us that have been in there less than that, right, and if somebody who's been in real estate for three or four years versus 40 years, they talk, they think, they look at each scenario differently, and so you're getting some of that insight. Love it. Definitely check this one out. Before we get started, if you have not been on the website yet, I don't know how many times I got to tell you, but I am going to keep telling you, executivereishow.com. Check it out. We would love to get your questions. Go Go ahead and ask an executive question. We'll get that answered on this show. You can also subscribe to the newsletter, get all that real estate information right in your email once a week. It's fantastic. You can also go see all the previous episodes, right? Check out the show notes. Check out all the resources from those shows, right? If there's somebody you want to get in contact with, guess what? One of the questions we ask every single guest at the end of the show is, how can people contact you? And we put that right into the show notes. You can go there. You can get in touch with somebody. You thought, oh, man, I got to go meet this person. I have to establish a relationship or I need to build my network. Great way to do it. Go check out the show notes. So executive REI show.com. Also, go ahead and leave us a rating and review, whether you're listening on Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever it is. We would love to get your rating and review and see how we're doing and potentially even how we can do better. So go ahead, leave us a rating. Super simple, super easy. Just click those stars button and let's go. So, lastly, before we get into this episode, we have to start off with today's executive tip. And today's executive tip is that nothing great happens in a short period of time, right? Nothing great happens in a short period of time. And one of the things that I was thinking is we were going through this episode and I was recording this with Ken, right? He's been in this for 40 years and you just have to be able to give yourself some time. A lot of us get in there, right? And it's like in like six months, right? We're, we're sitting there thinking, okay, If I'm not a cajillionaire in six months through real estate investing, I've done something wrong. I'm gonna stop and I'm a complete failure. And that's not true. Regardless of what social media says, right? Real estate is the long game, right? It is a long haul and it's it's building it consistently over one, two, 10, 20, 40 years. And that is how you become really successful in real estate investing. And it's true in a lot of other aspects. It's true in your business, right? Sometimes people, they start a new business and it's like after, you know, three months, they, uh, they spent $10,000 and they haven't made one dime and they're thinking, I just need to give up on this. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, that is justified. But a lot of times, and I would argue that most of the time, it's people just giving up too soon, right? They give up before they even give themselves a chance. So remember, nothing great happens in a short period of time. And with that, we are going to get right into this interview with Ken Holman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. As always, I'm your host, Michael Holman. And today, we have a very, very special guest. You'd probably be mad at me if I didn't tell him he was the most important guest that I had brought on this show. (laughs) But it is, in fact, Ken Holman. He's my father. Uh, We've been doing business together for the last about five years almost. Um, By way of a little introduction to Ken, uh, Ken is actually the president, owner, and founder of Overland Group, uh, which is a vertically integrated real estate company. It comprises of Overland Capital, Overland Management, Overland Development, and Overland Construction. He's also the president and founder of the National Association of Real Estate Advisors, or NARIA for short. Uh, That's a program that trains real estate agents how to understand commercial deals, how to analyze them, how to use the tools to analyze investments. So really cool stuff. And then lastly, but not least, he's also developed hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate. Ken, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Mike. Uh, No wonder I have so many wrinkles on my face after after that introduction. And, And it has been both a good and a long five years together uh, <laughs> trying to deal with the father-son relationship is pretty cool uh especially when you've got a great son like you but uh but it's uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun over the past few years well, that's hilarious i often joke that i
0: am uh, the best and worst decision uh <laughs> that, that Ken ever made so Ken tell us tell us a little about yourself I gave you an introduction but tell us about you
1: well I uh, graduated in accounting years ago uh, from BYU and got an MBA from the University of Utah and and uh, then later on I went to law school at the University of Idaho I've uh, had a pretty good career and Uh, really excited about uh, the real estate business. Even after all these years, I think it was the right decision for me to get into the business. And uh, uh, I started mainly working uh, after I got my MBA, I got invited to work for a a small, fairly sophisticated financial planning company that uh, had a real estate syndication arm. And Over the course of a few years, uh, they asked me to head up the real estate side. And since then, uh, I've been in real estate ever since. Started my own company after I'd been with them about five years and uh, decided it was time to move out on my own because uh, my interests and their interests were a little bit different and, uh, and I haven't regretted the move. 40 years later still feel good about it so
0: 40 years well we're going to get into that in a little bit but one of the things that i knew i had to ask you right from the beginning right we have there's all these different companies right i named i list like six of them right at the beginning five or six of them right overland construction overland management overland development and on and on and on I, i what i want to know and what i think a lot of people are interested in is what was the progression of those companies right what did you start off doing Uh, And what was the goal of establishing and creating all those different companies?
1: So initially uh, I started out. uh, When I got into career, I created for this other company, uh, a real estate management arm and uh, was overseeing the management of about 5,000 units in five States. So, uh, getting my certified property manager designation and my real estate broker's license. It was kind of a natural progression for me when I opened up my own business to start in the management side. And yet I I knew where I wanted to be was investing. So uh, so I began with a management company and, uh, and then I thought, this is cool. I'm gonna get in the investing side of the business. And uh, since I love land, the first deal I did was a land deal with a friend who had an industrial property. And I went out and put uh, uh, a contract on uh, a parcel of industrial land, borrowed $25,000 from my uh, equity in my home. I thought, okay, this is gonna be a good investment. Talked to everybody I knew. And within 90 days, I'd lost my 25 grand Uh, and my friend wouldn't give it back. And I thought, this is an interesting introduction to the business. I not only lost 25,000, I have 25,000 now on my home. I got to pay back. So (laughs) it was a $50,000 mistake. And, And that's the first time I realized that you have to really know what you're doing when you're getting in the real estate business, but- my next investment was uh, happened to be an old apartment complex called the Avalon in downtown Salt Lake City a 36 rundown 1940s building that was totally vacant and uh, I uh, rolled up my sleeves, renovated it, filled it up and over the course of about twenty years eventually uh, tore the building down and uh, and build a twelve-story high-rise on it, ninety-six apartment units that we converted to condominiums, and it turned out to be an extremely successful experience. So, I uh, I've learned a lot in the business. I've made a few mistakes, and I've uh, and I've had some really good winners along the way. Awesome. So
0: so talk to me you know, through this progression, right? And you you ran through some of the investments. When did you decide, you said you started with the management company. When did you decide to move to say development or construction or some of these other aspects of real estate?
1: Well, so I started with management then and that involved brokerage. So those two aspects kind of go hand in hand because you need a broker's license to run a management company. And, uh, and then in, in the early 1980s, uh, we got to the point and, and I had acquired some existing apartment complexes along the way. And, uh, and then they changed the, in 1986, the Ronald Reagan in that area, they had the 1986 tax reform act and, uh, when that occurred, it changed the whole dynamic of the real estate investing business. So that's when I started a development company and went out and my first development project was a little 420 unit no. apartment development in Layton, Utah, called Quail Cove. And so <laughs> that's that's where I started. And uh, And I had a small partner, GE Capital at the time. Oh my goodness. So, so it was, it, was a, it was a pretty good beginning. And then I thought, well, I'm all for controlling as much of the real estate pipeline as I can. So over the years, I thought, all right, we're doing some great projects. I don't know enough about the construction side, even though I grew up in the construction business. And so I, uh, I got my general contractor's license. We started a construction company. And uh, and that, that construction company has been the piece of the puzzle that has been the most difficult part to get right. And I think we're, after 30 years of this, I think we're <laughs> finally starting to get it where it needs to be, doing what it should be doing for us. And uh, we're not the typical construction company. We actually operate more like a construction management company, where we do uh, uh, we do project management, project engineering, estimating, and superintending. But we stop at that level, and we don't try to self perform any of the uh, the scopes of work within the project. We competitively bid that out, and by doing that, it's uh, it's allowed us to go into several different markets and develop different types of projects. And uh, I love having uh, our hand in the, in the construction process that it, it's made a huge difference in who we are and what we're capable of doing and, and how we protect our investors capital too, by the way.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love that. And there's so many different, I mean, there's like 10 things that I want to unwrap there, but, but I want to kind of go back to uh one of the questions I asked initially, which was, okay, so you've established all these different companies. Uh, you know, it started with management, things changed with the 1986 tax reform act. We had development. All of a sudden you had construction later on. It sounds like, so what was, what was the end goal, right? What was the vision for all of these different companies? Cause most people just look at it, you know, they'll, they'll probably get a successful management company, but it kind of stops there. Right. It's like, you know, I, I, why Why go into something else if it's working? What was the end goal
1: to getting all of these different businesses? Uh, for me, it was twofold. Uh, the first aspect is I wanted to know about every aspect of the real estate business. That's why I went to law school. I didn't go to law school to become an attorney because I thought that would not be my forte is uh, taking orders from somebody every day and uh, being on their timetable. So I went to law school to learn the, the legal side of real estate. I started a construction company because I felt like we needed to drill down on every aspect of the construction process and be able to have more control over that aspect because a typical relationship between a developer and a general contractor is really uh, even if you're friends and you know each other, it's an adversarial relationship because you've signed a contract, you expect them to perform if they don't perform, you're holding their feet to the fire and and on the other side of that coin, if your architect or you screw up, uh, they they're going to hold your feet to the fire. And so it's really critical to know, the construction side of the business. So the combination of all of that, I guess to sum it up, it probably means, I just felt like the more we controlled that vertical integration of the whole process, the better the quality projects we would have and the better we would be able to perform with our investors.
0: Awesome. Awesome. No, I I love that. And I love the idea of adding these different verticals. I mean, you see it, you see it all the time um, over the course of a career. And it's something that is, I definitely think people should look at. I mean, if you're feeling stagnant uh, and, and stagnant in the way that you're, you've been really successful, you're still successful, but you're trying to figure out something else to do looking for a different vertical, something that complements what you're already doing can really be invigorating in a, in a career, in a business, especially if you're a business owner. So, so I definitely recommend that. Uh, and I love hearing all that. Okay. Yeah.
1: And uh, let me just add this one point. Uh, you mentioned the word complement. That's really the key because it has to build on what you're already doing. If you're going out launching something completely different, you uh, that's like that's like starting a new career, and it doesn't really fit into your model. You really do need to complement uh, what you're doing as you add these verticals to your company.
0: Awesome. No, I love it. And great, great advice. Now, a couple things through all of that, there was a couple things that you mentioned that I just I have to kind of drill down on. Uh, first, you mentioned being in, in the real estate business for forty years. And I would love to get your take on how that landscape has changed over the 40 years.
1: Oh, wow. That's, uh, you could have asked me just easy questions. (laughs) But uh, it's, there have been some pretty profound changes in the business over those years. Uh, I have been through, no less than probably three or four major recessions in the business, and uh, and uh, each one of those I've learned something. It's I look back on a career and I say it's amazing that I'm still standing when ninety percent of the banks that I were was working with and getting loans from uh, don't exist anymore, and so. Uh, I never would have thought that the savings and loan industry would have gone down or the banks would have changed so radically as they've changed. But that's in the course of uh, a career, you see all of that. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think the recessions have had an impact on the business, but I have grown every time we've had something happen to us. Uh, When i When I discovered that that, uh, if we pretty much gave away the entire project, it was really difficult to control our own destiny as a company. So we've evolved to more retail investing and uh, would like to do more institutional investing. But now I feel like we have the ability to invest with institutions and still maintain a level of control as I went through my career, there were times when they controlled me rather than I controlled the deal and controlled them. So, uh, so I've learned a lot in that respect. It was a lot easier years ago to go find existing properties and uh, refurbish them, make some changes, raise the rents, increase the value of the asset and sell them off at a profit. Now, there seems to be a lot more equity capital that uh, has chased that uh, type of investment model. And I have found that a lot of the projects that you used to could buy at a reasonable price and and do that value add concept, they just don't exist these days. Uh, It's a lot more difficult to find a really good property and actually create value um uh, so I, that's probably one of the biggest changes that I've seen. And then recently, all this craziness with uh, the supply chain and uh, inflation. And believe me, I've been through a couple inflationary periods during the Jimmy Carter years. Uh, I was in the process of building a new home and was grateful to be able to get a takeout loan at 13% interest because my construction (laughs) loan turned out to be 17%. Oh my goodness. And so when I see interest rates at three and four and 5%, I just have to smile inside because that's good money compared to where we were. But I am a little nervous about the 7% inflation hikes that we're getting and some of these supply. Chain situations. Uh, I'll give you an example of, uh, of an experience that we've just had with a project. We, we planned on, we raised 15 million in equity capital, right, to build a 240 unit apartment project in Mesa, Arizona. Loved the deal, really excited about it. Our additional construction cost was going to be about forty million, so we were going to be into this thing fifty-five million, and and then we start having all these supply shortages with uh, you know lumber costs going up from three hundred dollars per thousand board feet to seventeen hundred dollars per thousand board feet, and and our construction cost exploded. It went up in a 10 million dollars and it's like oh my gosh i just had a i just had a what a 20 percent 15 percent increase in my overall Mm -hmm. in our overall cost and i thought oh i thought geez how's this gonna work well during that same year that we experienced all this rents went up 20 percent who who's seen 20% increases in rents in one year? It was crazy. Yeah, Our value went from 70 million to over hundred million. And it's like, well, you know, I wasn't happy with that $10 million increase in cost, but if it gets me a $30 million increase in value, I'm probably good with that. <laughs> and so it's like, I'll take 10 million in extra costs, if I can add 30 million any day. So it's been kind of a crazy ride here lately, but it's also well, looks like there's opportunities in the future.
0: I, I love that you say that because that's actually, you know, I, what I would love, right, is you just bring a different perspective. A lot of people who come on the show, they've been around for a while, right? Some up to 10, 20 years, um, but not many people have been in real estate for 40 years, right? And, and I would love, and I think all of the listeners would love to hear, you know, Ken Holman's crystal ball, right? Like, let's take out the crystal ball for a second. We all know that this is speculation because nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. But based on your perspective, how do you see the next three to five years going in real estate?
1: Okay, so uh, you're asking me tough questions. I like the easier questions, but but we only ask tough questions on the show, and Ken. It seems like that's the way it's <laughs> rolling. But uh, having gone through this process a few times, let me say at the outset, I have, I have been involved fairly heavily in the stock market. I've been involved in real estate my whole career. And bar none... I still think after 40 years, real estate is absolutely unequivocally the best investment that any investor can put their money in, and there's a couple reasons for that. You safeguard your capital and your, your uh, initial investment, and it provides consistent cash flow and appreciation and value of the asset, which you have... A degree of control over. So, as I've seen these markets ebb and flow, uh, I've seen times when, like the 2000, what 2008 to 2012 recession that we had, they call it the Great Recession, mm-hmm. and uh, and there were some dynamics there that shouldn't have existed. Uh, the government let lending get out of control, so anybody could go get money and they were building real estate. Developers will build anytime they can get money. That's the nature of the beast. And so over that period of time, there were people that were building and people that were investing and no money down and 100% financing. And that to me is an absolutely crazy model. And when I saw that happening, I refused to get into that program. I think you still have to have good solid fundamentals on every real estate deal that you do, which means you don't over leverage a project, you're borrowing 70 to 75% uh, of the money, but you're also putting in a fair amount of equity capital so that if you do have these ups and downs cycles in the real estate market, which which typically happen about every 18 to 20 years, When you have those cycles, you have the ability to hunker down, weather the storm, because you know, on the other side of that, the dynamics and the economics of of the market are always going to prevail. And so we're seeing high inflation. Frankly, the Dodd-Frank Act on banking, uh, I mean, there was a lot of negatives relative to that. But it forced everybody to be in a different model when they were investing and in, when they were buying real estate. They were required to have more capital invested in the project. They were required to, you know, be more responsible in terms of their financial uh, mm-hmm. situation and, you know, their credit and those kind of things. And that put us on a safer foundation. Now this COVID pandemic, it hit us and created some interesting things with like inline retail and office buildings, nobody coming into work anymore, people working from home. Some companies realized that, hey, they could do just fine working from home. I don't feel the same way in terms of our company model. I I think there's a lot of synergy that happens when you're together uh, creating something like that. But so I've I've uh, I guess I've seen some changes in the business, but I think the fundamentals still are there and we may be going through an inflationary cycle and we may wind up going through some sort of a, a recessionary cycle. But I think you just fold your arms, go through that process, and the economics will begin to take off again, and we will be just fine. And so I think those fundamentals exist. And I haven't seen many changes in that.
0: Awesome. No, I I think that's, you know, I I personally uh, am along the same lines, right? I mean, I get asked all the time, you know, what, what is going to happen, right? Is there a crash coming? I mean, a lot of people, what they're doing is they're just looking at, say, housing prices. They see housing prices going up. And the last time they remember housing prices going up like this was 2006 to 2008, right? And, and so oftentimes I hear a lot of people say, a crash is coming, a crash is coming. And the truth is a crash is always coming, right? I mean, the, the, we have a boom and bust economy. That's just how this economy operates and you said it exactly right. It's generally we see it in real estate about every 15 to 20 years right in there. Now, I'm not saying that's a hard and fast rule. That's just what history has shown us uh, over the last year. So uh, completely agree. And on top of that, even in an inflationary period, um, it appears that the the government and the people, you know, the powers that be are pretty set on trying to ensure that we don't go into another recession. Um, so they can, pr- you know, the government has the ability to prop the economy up uh, quite a bit if they really, really want to. And so, you know, is there is there a recession gonna happen? I, I'm kind of like you, yes, there is. Is it in three years, five years, 10 years? Uh, I don't really know, but uh, I, I personally foresee things you know, continuing forward quite nicely for at
1: least the next year or two. So yeah, I perspective. think, yeah, I think they're going to, well, they've announced the feds announced they're going to have three rate increases this year. I expect that they're going to continue to do that over a period of time until we start to see inflation come back to a level of two to 3%, which is more in line with where they want to see consistent growth occurring. So so we're going to see some changes. Uh, cost of capital is going to be a little bit more. But I still think the fundamentals of the real estate market are solid if you're being careful on the types of investments that you're getting into.
0: Awesome. Well, I, I love it. Uh, so, you know, you just mentioned types of investments. So what type of investments is Ken Holman personally interested in right now?
1: Well, uh, so Mike, I think we've tried to di- differentiate ourselves from a lot of the other real estate developers out there. Uh, there are people that just focus on self-storage, people that just focus on apartments or retail properties or different aspects. And every one of those, every one of those types of investments uh, are favorable to a specific investment uh, mantra or, you know, way they, way they view the market. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but we've taken this mixed use approach. First, I like development. Well, Roger said years, years ago, uh, uh, invest in land. They ain't making any more of it. (laughs) And, and so I feel like for us, investing in land is a good play. Uh, as long as we can put fundamental projects into our, into our investment model that I think makes sense. And the ones that seem to make sense today, uh, always apartments, that seems to be uh, a good base on every investment that we do. And then to sprinkle that on a, on a, like a horizontal mixed use, they have vertical mixed use projects I'm not as excited about those as I am, the horizontal mixed use, which means you take a segment of the land and you you develop that into apartments. And then you take the commercial aspect of the land and you put in uh, things like uh, retail pads and medical office buildings. And and we've even uh, now started to look at some hotels, And I'm surprised to say this because a couple of years ago, I thought this pandemic, nobody's moving. Travel is terrible. And I read several articles that said, you're not going to see the hotel business get back for until 2024. And I have been extremely surprised at how fast the hotel business has rebounded. Agreed. And so we've decided that, uh, that, that, that segment of the market is stronger than we originally gave it credit for. And so we are in a couple of our projects investing in hotels. And frankly, those are the kinds of things that cities really like to see. They never like to see apartments for some reason, and yet (laughs) that's the thing that drives everything else. But they love to see some retail, they love to see medical office, they love to see hotels. That's what gets it exciting. So we kind of use that as an entree to get these bigger developments done. And, and I really like the model that we've established that way.
0: I, I love it. And, and obviously, I agree, right? I'm, I'm very much a part uh, of what we're doing in the development company. That's actually a lot of what I do. And I, I completely agree. I'm really excited about the mixed-use concept. And one of the things that I love that we've been able to do is leverage that 40 years of experience, right? Um, where you, you have absolutely developed almost everything that you can develop and we can take that experience and make that uh, something that is pretty unique to, to what we're doing. So I love that you mentioned that. Now, one of the things that you mentioned early on and, I, and the second you said it, I knew I had to ask about it before we ended here. So you mentioned one of your first developments was Quell Cove Apartments in Layton, Utah, and it was 400 units, and your partner was GE Capital. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, you mentioned that being one of your first developments, correct? Yes. How on planet Earth was one of your first developments, a 400-unit apartment complex, partnering with GE Capital?
1: Well, yeah. Uh... There are words that I would probably like to use describing my courageous approach to, uh, and philosophy of life that I won't use (laughs) here, but, uh, but I have not been afraid over my career of tackling something that I haven't done before, or that's bigger than I would, uh, than most people would look at and say they will do. Uh, if it makes sense, if, if you've got a feasibility study, and back in those days, there weren't that many companies doing feasibility studies, so we did our own, but if it looked like the demand exceeded the supply, and we always do that on every deal we do anyway, but if the demand exceeds the supply, if it's bigger than most are comfortable with, I I'm sort of a big picture guy. I haven't mind tackling a deal like that. And that isn't the biggest project I've done, by the way. I've done another one, uh, Holly Ridge in Gresham, Oregon, that was 440 units. And both turned out to be extremely successful. And doing some of these bigger deals, uh, that's what attracts bigger investors. Uh, Your big investors, they, unless you're over 10 million and going closer to 50 or 75 million, they just don't want to deal with it uh, because they want to, they want to uh, get this, put this capital to work and they don't want to do it on 50 little deals. So when I, when I said I was doing a 420 deal and approached approached uh, GE Capital with that, it was like, that's right in our wheelhouse. We'll do that deal.
0: <laughs> so so and I have so, a question with that yeah. then. So had you had you you you'd never done a deal with GE Capital prior to that, correct? I had not. So how did you actually get a hold of GE Capital? I mean, I I personally have done this, and people have heard me say this, right? I have cold called the likes of Goldman Sachs and, uh, <laughs> and Blackstone, right? And, you know, I not to much success. I mean, things yeah. to other things. And I learned a lot. So, I mean, what did you do? Did you just call up the receptionist at GE Capital and say, hey, I got a 400 unit deal. Uh, who do I talk to about getting, a you know, tens of millions of dollars, right? They, how, how did that
1: transpire? Mike, they will not talk to you. <laughs> they will not talk to me. So the way those deals get done is all through relationships, uh, like your podcast that you do. You're building relationships. You're you're establishing a network. Same thing with GE Capital. I went to somebody. It happened that uh, it happened that one of my investors on that project was a guy that was lived in Morristown, New Jersey. He was uh, he was uh, the president of a big company. Uh, you would recognize the name if I told you what it was, and and he introduced me to another friend of his that he was in a Bible study class with that was a principal in that company and it's amazing how those relationships start and develop. And but it's, it really is who you know. And the more you can establish those relationships, the better off you are. And I can say that I think you've done a better job developing those relationships than I have. I should have done more of that. And we could have been farther along this path than we are today. But but, uh, but anyway, yeah.
0: No, those are for anybody uh, who's listening to this podcast. And I feel like I say this every single time I interview someone, but I truly, truly mean it <laughs> go back and you should just listen to that, to the last five, 10 minutes uh, where Ken talks about relationships, because I cannot place an, um, the, the amount of importance on building and establishing relationships and a solid network. I mean, y- you have it right here, right? Ken Holman, who who on his one of his first development deals, goes out and does 400 units and gets GE Capital as a partner, right? And it was done solely through the relationships that he had. So that is just absolutely a golden nugget to take out of this segment. So I, I love that. Okay. That's true. We... Have got to start wrapping things up. So there's two questions we ask every single guest. And guess what? Even if you're my father, you still get asked the same questions. Uh, and so we're going to roll right into those right now. All do, right. Does
1: that mean I have to answer them? That, yes. Yes, you do.
0: <laughs> no free passes here. All right. Question number one What is the best business advice you were ever given?
1: Oh, gosh. I'm probably a, a little embarrassed to say this, but you know, I I don't remember having just a mentor that sat me down and said, "Okay, this is how you should do it," or "These are the things you should watch out for," and "Here's how you should develop your company." Uh, I didn't I didn't really have those mentoring experiences because I was sort of a pioneer. Uh, my, my dad was a, a rural mail carrier in Idaho and loved him and he worked hard and he had two jobs and all of that stuff. But growing up, I really didn't have anybody that kind of taught me about business. And so I've I've learned it all through the School of Hard Knocks. I, I guess... Uh, When I went to law school, shortly after, uh, a movie came out called Paper Chase, and there was uh, an actor in that movie. His name was John Houseman, uh, an old crusty guy who was the professor that everybody uh, hated but loved uh, because he was the hardest guy that, uh, that they'd ever had to take a class from. Anyway, he came out and did a series of advertisements for Stanley Morgan, which Mm -hmm. now is, uh, uh, I guess it was Smith Barney back then. Now it's become Morgan Stanley is where they're at, but but he did an advertisement for them and and he used these words. He said, said, uh, how does Smith Barney make money? they make money the old-fashioned way. They earn it. And I think that's been a model for us over the years. We just roll up our sleeves. We will go out and do the work to find the right uh, properties. And you know when you've got a good property. And then you work hard at creating the right investment for that property. And that's kind of the model that we've used and i didn't get that business advice from anybody else which i am sad to say but that's the advice i would give everybody is, love it uh, so
0: no i i think that's fantastic uh and definitely pertinent right i mean uh in a lot of in a lot of ways we've seen and i've seen this especially in real estate right where it's kind of been uh easy money a little bit, I'll say, right? It's easy come, easy go a little bit. And and people have been able to make bad deals and have the market save them, right? I mean, you mentioned rents going up 20%. Well, guess what? It it doesn't matter what deal you were in before that. If rents just went up 20%, your deal now works, right? And there's a lot of people I think that have been saved because of the market. And so being able to have those fundamentals, being able to really uh, hone in and and earn the money. I like that. Earn the money, uh, I think is really important, especially now, even while everybody else, it feels like you know money's just sort of freely flowing at the time. So I love that. All right, next question. What real estate investing advice would you give other
1: business owners or other business executives? This is gonna come as a surprise. maybe not as a surprise for me, but as a surprise. Most financial planners and stockbrokers, whenever you ask them about investing in real estate, they'll direct you to a real estate investment trust, a REIT, and they will caution, never put more than 15% of your assets in real estate and never more than 5% or one third of that 15% in any one asset. I think that's a bunch of cock. From my perspective, if you don't have at least 50% of your investment portfolio in income-producing real estate assets, you're making a huge mistake. I have found, I probably have 95% (laughs) of my portfolio in real estate. But I can tell you this, income-producing real estate should be the bedrock of everything you do when you're investing. And if you have 50% of that, you can invest in other types of things uh, and be okay, but you need to have a solid foundation. And to me, that solid foundation is good, fundamental income producing real estate assets that will carry you further than anything else you do.
0: Love it. And I completely agree so uh as we kind of wrap up ken how can people get a hold of you what's the best way to get in contact
1: with you uh probably just to get on our website uh overland group inc uh all of our contact all my contact information is on there uh you can reach me by sending me an email at kholman@overlandcorp.com at overlandcorp.com or uh Or give me a call. I'm probably one of the few that'll put out my phone number, but 801-231-6650. And yes, I still answer my phone. (laughs) I
0: love it. I love it. Well, Ken, thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks.
1: Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. Ready to learn more? Go to executivereishow.com for more episodes and resources to help you create generational wealth through real
1: estate investing. That's executivereishow.com.